All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's your man, it's your boy, B. Vaughn. I want to welcome you to another episode of We Create Music TV. And for those of you who were watching uh, before, thanks for tuning in. As, as always, a pleasure. For this show, man, I got my guy with me, Nick Jorgensen. So everybody, please give it up for my man, Nick. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Hey, hey, hey. Yes, sir. Once again, welcome to... Welcome to We Create Music TV, man. I'm glad to have you here. I've been seeing a lot of things you've been doing on, on Instagram and social media and just the impact you've been having on the on the music community as a whole. And I mean, I had to have you on just so we can chop it up. Thank you. Yeah, that, I mean, that is my goal, right? Is It's how can I impact the, the music industry, especially with independent artists in a positive way. So I'm glad that's kind of the perception of it <laughs> yeah no yeah i think you're doing a, you think you're doing a, a a fantastic job uh just ensuring that we as music creators are well informed and that we are receiving the tools and resources kind of like what we do here but uh you know what i'm saying like like i love what you're doing and i wanted to get you on to kind of just really talk uh, about the things that you've been doing but uh right. man you know so like i said you know my man nick jorgensen aka nick the manager I know before uh, everybody, uh, before you had a chance to even tune in, uh, we kind of were talking uh, in the green room about using your real name versus using, uh, you know, your moniker uh, and just the importance of getting your name out there. And so, yeah, I think that's important because I kind of went through that same thing where I was known as one name and I kind of wanted to get away from it. One, because I was getting older, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't want to be known as, you know, what was I'm it? like I'm like my uh, Monica was strict now music, but oh, okay. yeah, and so that's when I was really heavy into producing, and I just didn't want that to kind of be I didn't want to be eighty, <laughs> and that still be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, I'm sitting in more um, rooms and they're like it's strict nine. Yeah, so like we were saying, it is a, a double-edged sword um, to have mm. a moniker because it's catchier, people recognize it a little bit easier. Um, but then when you try and switch over to your real name, um, people don't know who you are. Like a lot of people know me as Nick, the manager, they have no idea who Nick Jorgensen is, but that's, that's really who I am. Nick, the manager mm -hmm. is just a handle I use to try and, you know, have a brand. Um, and what's kind of interesting is that I think a lot of people don't even know I was Nick, the manager starting about a year ago. Um, before that I had a different moniker, which, uh, um, it was Geranicus. Uh, which is kind of like a, just a stupid nickname I got from high school. Um, my buddy got super stone watching Spartacus. Uh, like <laughs> uh -huh. He's like, yep. My last name is Jorgensen. So he's like, Geronicus. Um, and so that, <laughs> that became my nickname for like 10 years. And then um, I decided, you know, that didn't make any sense. I wanted mm. to level up, become more professional. And mm -hmm. that's where like, the manager came in. And, and so rebranding was tough, but I think, I think it is possible. Um, and mm. then the next step, obviously, like we said, is moving to your real name um, at a certain right. point. Yeah, I think I think the rebranding part is is tough. I do think it's possible, right? I mean, we're doing it. I went from Strict Nine to being, you know, Bevon, but I I right. do think it's possible. I think it takes a lot of work. I think it takes a lot of of effort to kind of correlate who you used to be and under that old moniker to what you're doing now. But I think it's kind of what you said, too. I think for me, it was what it, it wasn't so much being 80 and being in the boardrooms and be like, this is, I'm being on, you know, I'm strict nine. <laughs> I, I think it was more of the professional side of it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Now I, I get, you know, Dr. Dre and Timbaland and, you know, Boy Wonder and, and you know, pre people who are already famous with these types of names uh, that have been established to them. But I, th it, I think it, for me, it was just a personal decision for myself to say, how do I want to be perceived when I'm sitting in front of the CEOs of the music record labels? Do I want to just mm -hmm. be strict now and look at me or do I want to be me and kind of, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I think that was the whole, the whole reason why. But right. yeah. yeah. So, I mean, for artist names and producer names, it's a little different. You know, I'm just kind of like mm -hmm. an entrepreneur uh, essentially. But for artists and producers, I think having a unique name, um, whatever resonates with you, as long as it as long as you like it, right? As long as it uh, correctly defines the art that you're putting out and it is recognizable and unique and can hit that SEO properly, then, you know, go for it. I, I think artists have more freedom there than other people in the industry, you know, because there's a lot of artists that go by their artist name and then they mm -hmm. have conversations with their friends as their real name. And that just mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, the people at the record labels know them as, you know, their artist name versus knowing them right. as, like as their real name. Drake, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, imagine he was Aubrey instead of Drake, right? You're like, yeah. I mean, mm. I don't know, he's really good. He might have been, been able to pull it off. He could have. Yeah, no, Drake is definitely, I think, better in that situation. Yeah, yeah, especially for the the, the platform that he was was aiming towards and what he wanted to do. I don't, I don't know if Aubrey would have carried as much weight as as Drake. So, yeah. I mean, same thing with with. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to call him. I can't see like L Cole. You know what I'm saying? Like Lamar oh. Cole or J. Like J Cole sounds dope, but. Yeah. I, I, you know, my name is Lamar. I'm a rapper. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think they can get away with it. But I think people kind of in the, the business realm itself may not have so much leeway in using monikers unless it's something that's already established, like a Timbaland right. or, uh, you know, a Dr. Dre, something like that, where their name was established and then they went that route into the music, into the music business. And that's how we as the world, as the world knows them. But, but man, enough of that. Like, I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that. But man, talk about you. Talk about your musical journey. Walk us through how you even got started in this whole thing. All right. Um, yeah, so right now I'm Nick the manager. Um, I am an artist manager. I manage three different artists, um, one of which has gotten almost 10 million streams. Uh, I'm a studio owner, so I'm in my studio right now. It's called Rap House Phoenix. I'm a Spotify playlister. Um, I've multiple playlists on spotify i think is like seventy thousand followers something like that and then um in addition to that i i write guides to try and help artists i'm constantly answering questions like from a management perspective and then um i recently started a patreon which is a, it's a subscription platform where people can pay me you know seven dollars a month um to just be in the community to get access to all my informational videos all my all my content, um, there's a whole community that connects on like Discord servers and has private events, all these giveaways. Um, and I'm just really trying to build something for independent artists because mm. I know when we started out four years ago, it was really difficult because we started out knowing nothing. Um, and the way that that happened was through the Spotify playlist. So I have a few now, but back in the day, I only had one playlist and it was called Lifting Heavy Ass Weights. Um, ah, oh yeah. Kind of a funny name, but uh, it, it was my personal gym playlist. Um, I had an iPod Nano back in college that I would take to the gym, and I ended up just transferring everything on my iPod onto my Spotify playlist when I got Spotify. 
And a couple of years later, it ended up just getting some followers. Um, so I remember it was like 2015, I want to say. I looked and it had like 1,200 followers or something. And I was like, oh, that's neat. You know, I didn't see any um, any benefit or any value in it because at that point, no one really knew about Spotify playlists. Um, so I had this playlist. It was still my personal gym playlist. It still is. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just starting to grow organically. Um, it's always been organic. I've never really promoted it. Um, and as it started to grow, it hit 5,000, hit 10,000 followers. And then that's when people started reaching out to me in the industry. So mm. at this point, I was just a guy working a cubicle. Um, I had a playlist and then labels started reaching out to me, mm-hmm. uh, managers, artists. Uh, I started working with Universal Music Group for a while. Um, and it just kind of became this thing that got my foot in the door in the music industry um, because I always knew I wanted to be doing something with music or just something beyond my day job, like some kind of side hustle. I was following Gary V a lot back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when this started happening, it's like, holy shit, this is really cool. You know, I, I, I have these connections. I can um, reach out to people. I can talk to people that otherwise I wouldn't be able to get in contact with. Um, and it was during those early days that uh, Oren Major, the first artist I ever managed, he reached out to me the same as anyone else did. Um, because as a playlister, you're getting messages every day from random people wherever they can contact you um so my facebook dms were like you know i have hundreds of unread messages and oren was one of those he reached out he sent uh, a couple songs you know he's just very um, respectful and uh what's funny is that i didn't respond to him when he sent me that message (laughs) and that just shows you persistence is extremely key in this industry but he followed up um the second time i saw it i listened to his music and i really liked him i thought he was really talented and so Mm. we started a conversation i started just helping him you know however i could because i saw he had like 12 monthly listeners or something just crazy low and i was listening to the music and it didn't correlate you Mm. know so it's like this guy deserves so much more attention so many more listeners and so i wanted to help him however i could so the first thing I did was I added one of his songs to my playlist and that started to grow really quickly. Mm. Um, it started spiking on uh, Spotify's algorithmic playlist. So like Discover Weekly, Release Radar. And mm. within um, like a couple months, he went from zero to 50, 60,000 monthly listeners off of organic growth um, from Spotify. So that's how we got started. And at that point, we were just, working together i was helping him out and then he asked me to be his manager and i was like what is a manager <laughs> you know i i had never thought of myself becoming a manager i didn't know what it was um so i googled it and kind of figured it out um and i said fuck yeah let's do it um and so that's kind of how all of this started <laughs> just accidentally you know wow yeah that's man that is that's a story right there is that you just accidentally <laughs> fell into it and now you're at the right. position that you are you're at basically because you were listening to music that you loved and then right. you figured oh, well other people may be interested in music that i love too and it just just took off yeah i mean so everyone these days seem to know about spotify playlists um if mm-hmm. you happen to not they're based they're essentially the new radio stations so like mm-hmm. back in the day everyone would try and get on the record or uh, the radio stations to get that airplay and that exposure and then as we move towards streaming as a society the playlists on spotify became those new radio stations because if you're on a playlist that's popping people are listening and you're gaining fans from it 
That's right. Um, so yeah, I, I had no idea what a playlist really meant. I had never thought of it as having value. I just made a playlist. I didn't mm -hmm. even really know it was public. Uh, and I was just using it for the gym and people liked the, the music taste, I think first off. And then also one of the key things I tell people is that it had a unique name. So just like we were mm -hmm. talking about with artists or monikers, mm -hmm. um, lifting heavy ass weights was, I was the only one calling a playlist that, and, right. uh, I think it was just like catchy and, and you know fun mm -hmm. to say um it resonated with a lot of people so i think that's where the playlist took off and you know i started managing Oren. um we grew his streams you know 150,000 monthly listeners at one point he was starting to make money from all different sources we got him up to like two thousand dollars a month purely from streaming and features and um uh, syncs we did some syncs uh, just all okay. these different sources um and so we were building him up as an artist and leveling up his career for like three years and just along the way i was always helping people and helping other artists and kind of mm -hmm. giving out information for free um until i eventually kind of transitioned into uh nick the manager as a brand where now i offer services and information and and all that uh kind of as my business so that's right Man, and it is a viable growing business as well. Like I said, I, I, I'm checking you out on, on social media and I love the advice. I love, I love reading the, uh, I don't know if they're, they're text or if they're uh, DMs, but DMs. yeah, I think it's usually DMs, right? And so of just how people are receiving the information that you're presenting to them and how they're starting to use it to further their own music career. And I think that's, I think that's one of the things is missing. We say that people in the industry want to do it, uh, mm -hmm. but I feel a lot of the times that they don't. Like you said in the beginning, that it was tough. You didn't really know anything. You you, yeah. you probably just had to figure out. Nobody. We didn't have a Nick the manager. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> Re record labels weren't really trying to give you information to grow you as an artist or as a producer. I mean, they were looking to make money off of you. You know, and a lot of times, even back before, you know, Spotify and YouTube, it was hard. Like, it was hard to, to know this stuff. And still sometimes a day, you kind of find people who want to hold information, want right. to guard information, and want to keep it for themselves. I had a conversation with, with another guest that we talked about. Uh, matter of fact, it's, it was the last episode, so make sure y'all go check it out with my, with my man Hayden THC. But we talked about the scarcity versus abundance mentality and how a lot of people in the music industry have a scarcity mentality. It's like, yo, if, if Nick gets it, I may not get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. if another person gets this, this particular feature or this placement or this meeting or this whatever, then what about, what about me? I may not get it. But I, I love your approach in that you see it from a, a whole pie perspective and that there's enough out there for everybody, so why not freely give information whether whether you freely give it or somebody paying paying you for it right i mean we pay people for services so right. yeah i, I, I um, commend you on that and the whole crabs in a bucket mentality that that you're talking about is completely the case and that's why you know the, the people who follow me and that tend to be in my community they share my mindset and so that's why we've been able to build up this community that has about 300 members that all want to learn together and work together um because it is almost always the case that people think if he gets it, I'm not going to get it. And, you know, I do charge for my services, for my time, for my information now, 
But back two years ago, um, when I kind of started doing this, um, I was sending out everything for free. You know, I always post on Instagram for free. And and then I wrote my first guide. It was called uh, Spotify for Dummies um, because someone had emailed me asking mm-hmm. me all these questions like, how did you grow on Spotify? What are playlists? And I took the time and I wrote out this super long email and then I sent it to him and I was like, this could help other people. So I mm-hmm. posted on Instagram, you know, who wants it? And I did this for three different versions for several months. Um, and I'd sent out over 500 of those for free um, before wow. I ever started charging. And the only reason I started charging was because people, um, first off, they wouldn't email me. They'd make me email them and like try and transcribe their mm-hmm. email address. And then I'd send it to them and they'd come back asking me questions that were answered in the guide. And I was like, did you read it? He's like, no, nah, I didn't get it. Nah. Like, Are you kidding me? I spent, I spent my time and energy to, to make this information and go and get it to you personally. And you mm-hmm. didn't even read it. And now you're back here wasting my time asking me these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's really the, the reason I started selling this stuff. And then, you know, my mindset now is that if I'm able to make a living off of it, then I can help people full time because right now I do still have a day job that's been sustaining everything. But if I can get to a point where, you know, the Patreon's making me enough money or what, you know, all the other services I offer is making enough money, then I have full time to be able to help people, which I don't have now. I only have my limited, you know, a couple hours after work. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the main reason that, that I start charging now is that I don't want to waste mm-hmm. my time. My time is limited. And if I can grow, I can help so many more people. That's right. That's right, man. I love that because yes, I have a, I still maintain a full, full time job too. And so it's, yeah, it's tough, man. It's always super tough. It's super tough. It's super tough trying to organize and, and, and administer things and create things and provide information and answer emails. Right. So that whole administrative side and creative side, and then you work from, you know, eight to five, nine to five or whatever. And then if you got a family, then wow, it's yeah. some, some of your time is, is going down. So I, I want to go back for a second. So, cause you missed, mm-hmm. you mentioned persistence, right? Mm-hmm. That, uh, that people in this industry need to be persistent. So what's the difference between being, I know this is kind of like a rhetorical question, but being persistent and being, um, what's, what's the, what's the word I want to use? Uh, uh, nagging um, or yeah, you know, nagging or because some people, yeah. some people will say, well, I'm being persistent, right? I'm contacting you again. Obviously you didn't hear me the first time. So here's my more, <laughs> here's more of my music and here's more of it. Right. You know, there, there's a difference so, between that. So kind of talk a little bit about yeah, man. from oh, your perspective. Um, I love that because I've, as a playlister, as a manager, as a studio owner, as all these different things, I'm constantly having people reach out and ask for things, ask for time, ask for services. Um, and there is a line between being persistent and being just kind of like negative. You know, people get to a point where they'll message someone and if you don't reply, they start attacking you. And I've had this happen all the time where it's like, I didn't get a chance to read your message. And now you're messaging again and again, like, yo, like check your DMS. Why aren't you messaging me back? Right. Like, like, bro, you don't know what my time is. What? So, you know, I've, I've seen that side and I think Mm -hmm. that is a blessing to, to see that so that I don't repeat it. Um, but as far as persistence, I think, um, the main key to persistence is to not have persistence in your tone. 
Um, so the way mm. that you message people or you reach out, it should always be very overly polite, super etiquette, super courteous. Um, and then the persistence just comes in the timing. So, mm -hmm. you know, message every other day, every other day, but it's still very positive. Like, Hey, I know you didn't get a chance to see my last message, but you know, if you get a chance, I'd love to hear back from you. Just be always super respectful because there's no reason not to be, this person doesn't owe you any of their time. Right. Um, you know, and so that's always been my mindset. And then with persistence, I have a, a story I like to tell um, about my studio. So Rap House Phoenix um, is the studio that I built inside my house. And then um, I started running as a studio for a while, but then I, I wasn't loving it. And so I decided to reach out and try and use it as a tour lodging. Um, so I offered it as an Airbnb slash studio, not to the general public, but to specifically artists on tour. Um, and the way to get people in your house while they're on tour is not easy, especially if you're not established, you know? Yeah. So um, the first person that I was able to get in here was uh, Earl Sweatshirt. And the way and the way any of these. So I have Earl Sweatshirt, Ari Lennox, Jack Harlow was the last one. Um, Jack. All kinds of people. Um, but the way that it happened was from me being persistent, but not mm. crossing over that line to being mm. negative taking it personally um so literally all i did was I, I would google who's coming to town figure out who the manager is find their email address um and just follow up it took mm -hmm. you know to get mark battles in here but I, wow. I just kept saying you know you have a list of different ways to say just circling back just checking yeah. out <laughs> you had a great weekend you know and it's just like okay, keep messaging me, but you tell me no if you don't mm -hmm. tell me no i'm just going to keep saying hey just want to check back um, yep. But yeah, persistence is just super important. And like, even with Oren, I would not have been his manager if he didn't follow up. Mm. Um, but again, he did it respectfully. He did it in the right way. He had the right mm. tone where I was welcoming the stranger to take my time and to have a conversation right. with them. Right. Yeah, that was I love I love how you said that. That's kind of the situation that happened with uh, me and the artist that I was I was managing at the time right. is that he actually was a guest on the show. I interviewed him on the show. And then we had a conversation afterwards and he just kind of put the bug out there. He was like, you know, I'm looking for a, a manager. Uh, I know that you have a certain uh, sense about you, an ability, a skill set about you. And I just, just wanted to pick your brain to see if that's something you're interested in. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, no, not really. Nope. <laughs> nah, I won't do that. And so uh, throughout that, I think it was a probably a week and a half, and he, he sent me a message like, hey, can I set up a meeting with you to just talk about what it, you know, what I presented you with. And so he came over to the house and we talked for a while and then <clears throat> I thought about it still. And then we ended up having a, like a three hour meeting, like a three hour mm -hmm. sit down where I walked through. I think that somebody, I, need to, I, I think I need to share that with somebody somewhere on my site. All these questions that I asked and went through uh, and, and I'll ask you this question too. This would be the question I ask you based off of the story I'm telling is, so we went through a whole list of questions, you know, like, do I got to worry about, you know, baby mamas, you know, baby mama drama while we on tour, right? I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with crazy baby mamas coming up to me. I, I don't want to deal with that. Uh, so we went through a whole bunch of different questions and I, I did end up becoming his manager. Uh, it didn't work out the way that we thought it was going to work out. Uh, but in that vein, what are some things that you as a manager are looking for in an artist 
to work with them, to take them to, to the next level. Right. Um, yeah. So, so right now, uh, that's a common question I get. Um, just, Hey, can you manage me? And, you know, my answer usually is like, why do you want a manager? So with management specifically, I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what it really is. A lot of people think it's like, you know, some big shot, they hear one song and they're like, oh, he's a star. And then they sign you and then you blow up in the next day or week and, you know, they change your life completely immediately. Um, And that's, you know, that's just not what it is. Um, So a manager to me is just uh, like a a business partner, essentially, you know, someone who's willing to invest in you with their time, their resources. Um, And so the relationship is super important. Uh, So like with me and Oren, we're best friends. Uh, I mean, we talk about everything. Um, It's not just, can this person make good music? And so Mm -hmm. I always tell people, you know, talent is a prerequisite. um, And then it's, what are you doing for yourself already? Because if you're not working for yourself already, and you're just expecting me to come in and do everything for you, that's, that's not going to work. I need someone who knows what they're doing and just need some extra help or some extra connections to kind of take them to the next step. Um, a lot of people just, they put out a few songs and they're like, oh, I need a manager. And it's like, no, you got to learn the game first. You got to figure out what you're doing, what your goals are, how you're realistically going to become successful in the industry. Because I think that's another thing. A lot of people are delusional. Um, they think, you know, I'm mm. going to have one big song and I'm going to become a billionaire. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't work like that. Um, so yeah, I think when it comes to me looking yeah. for people, it's, I got to know who you are as a person more so than anything else um we got to mm. be able to chill on the couch together and have you know regular conversations right right if i can't play call of duty with you then i don't know right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah I, I appreciate that because i think in this list of questions that i asked him uh I, I, let me go back i love that the person that you're going to be managing needs to be somebody that you can really be cool with you know what i'm saying i mean you you're partners in this whole thing and it's going to be really you and that person, right? Everybody else doesn't have that same type of relationship that the artist and the manager have. That's that's a different relationship than right. the publicist and the artist or the social media marketer and the artist. Mm-hmm. The, the the manager and the artist are, are super tight. And that was one of the questions that I asked the artist that I was managing too. Uh, it was something along the lines of... Um, I can't even think of the question now. It was a, I'm telling you, it was a whole, it was like three pages. I mean, yeah, no like, when, when I broke up three pages, he was like, oh, shoot. I mean, when we talked oh. about, we talk, oh, I know what the question was. Because uh, you mentioned it about artists knowing who they are. And that was a question. Right. I said, well, do you know who you are as an artist? And what do you think your image is that you perceive, that you are projecting to your fans? Who do they mm-hmm. think you are? I mean, we sit, we sat and had a, and we hashed out everything. But I, I think it's critically important uh, for an artist who's going to get into this this industry, whether you're artist, producer, that you kind of identify who you are and what your goals are and what you want to to be perceived as. When you walk into a room, what do you want people to think about you as you walk into that room? But mm. yeah, man, I love it. So, yeah. so what what was what was really your motivation for taking this route? into in your musical journey um yeah so (laughs) 
it, like everything else I do, it just kind of comes uh, organically. I'm never trying to force anything. So like I didn't force my playlist to become a thing. I didn't force to become a manager because I didn't even know what a manager was. Um, the studio I only built out of necessity. And then when that didn't work out, I just pivoted. I started doing the tour lodging and that worked out. Um, and then with the, uh, the Nick, the manager stuff, like information and services and helping people, uh, that was just always something I did. Uh, but to build it into a business came just kind of naturally. So like I said, uh, with the guides, I sent them out for free for like two years and then I got frustrated. And so I started listing them for sale. Um, that started mm -hmm. bringing money. It's like, Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, let's see what else, you know, what else I can do. Um, <laughs> And yep. so I did, uh, I did the guides for a while. I've done contests. I'm, I'm doing another contest this Sunday, which mm. is cool. Um, I did in-person classes. So that was one of the cool things. I saw that. Um, so K yeah. So Kato, the producer, he, hey. had invited me. Yeah, Kato, so, um, I, I got to commend him on, especially on his recent success because mm -hmm. he'd been big in the past. And then, um, he was doing these classes that were really cool. And then with this recent TikTok viral song like i'm just uh, it's awesome to see him yes it is like um but what had happened was just like everything else i reached out to him to host him for his uh sound advice tour um when he was okay. coming through arizona and uh he, he had already picked a different space and so he just invited me to come by and so i attended the event um i learned i kind of watched what he did uh as he was hosting this event where he was teaching people and giving feedback um, and I met a bunch of the people there and I talked to him after and I decided that night I can do something like this um, because, you know, he's no mm -hmm. discredit to him. But um, I was having success in the streaming side uh, currently, you know, like all these new things, because a lot of the people who teach these classes had success years ago. You know, like mm -hmm. they had they had success before Spotify existed, whereas mm -hmm. nowadays most people are focused on Spotify. So. He taught the class. I watched the class. I loved it. And then the next day I announced that I was going to do my own just because. Um, and so it sold out mm -hmm. in like 12 hours. I wow. did it. it felt amazing. Um, it was like a five hour event. And I ended up doing another 11 or 12 within the next month, um, just month or two. And I took it on tour to help pay for Orange tour. So like mm -hmm. he was doing shows. And then I was doing classes the night before in each city so that we could meet wow. people, pay for the Airbnbs, okay. get people to come to the show, get openers for the show. Um, and it just it just really worked out. So it was happening kind of out of necessity. And mm. then um, with the lockdown that canceled the tour, uh, I decided randomly to start the Patreon. Just like, you know, all these people, like you said, send me these messages like, oh, I love I love everything that you've been doing. It helped me so much. It did this. And so I was like, I'll start a Patreon. Let's see if anyone, you know, really appreciates me. Um, mm -hmm. and no one fucking signed up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so I realized immediately, okay, it doesn't work like that. So I started posting some exclusive content, you know, like mm. the studio build, our financial reports, the tour schedule, mm -hmm. just stuff that I had. And then I started getting some some patrons. And so I've just been pushing that. Um, and I love... I love things where you can make progress. So like every time I get a new patron, I feel like I'm making progress because I'm building this community. Um, and so I kept pushing, I kept pushing, I kept finding new benefits to give to people. So, you know, we got 
We got the Discord community where we have a private server. Um, I do song reviews for free. Uh, I do playlist submissions. Um, they get half off of all my contests. They get mm. discounts on everything. Just all these benefits I can try and provide to people. Mm -hmm. And so that's where my focus has been. Um, but it was never my intention. Like looking back a year ago, I never imagined I'd be pushing Nick the manager as as a real brand or business. Yeah, wow. That's wow. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, you know, <laughs> it's just funny you say that because you was like, Yeah, I started the Patreon and nobody signed up. Like <laughs> nobody signed That's up. That's real, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and I think people are like, Okay, cool. I, I kinda want to. But kind of like that, what's, you know, the whiff and what's in it for me, right? Exactly. And so it's like, well, here's really what's in it for you. And it's that because I'm sure your brand is going to continue to grow and there's mm -hmm. more services that you're going to be able to offer. And then you're going to be able to partner with other people to offer those services exclusively to your own Patreon community. And so right. there's going to be a lot of, uh, right. re so they're going to reap a lot of benefits from it. One of the new exciting things um, I forgot to mention, uh, I've started partnering with uh, major brands. So mm -hmm. like uh, Chaotica, if you've seen these- um, Chaotic Eyeball, yeah. 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 I, I so need, I've never gave me one. All these different companies and saying, hey, I got this community. Um, mm -hmm. I'm always trying to get more benefits. Uh, is there anything we can do? And so they sent me a Chaotica. They're gonna do a giveaway of a Chaotica. We have a discount code for the community. Um, Mackie is doing a full studio bundle giveaway for my contest wow. this Sunday with uh, monitors, microphone, headset. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's so cool to me. I never thought- Yeah, I'd that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That, that is amazing. I, I you, you can, these. Yeah, you know what? Look, I've always wanted one of those. We were in um, do, 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 LA at ASCAP and they were there. I think they had just came out maybe a year or so before. Maybe that, maybe a year before we were at ASCAP and they were at ASCAP and they had all these blue Chaotica eyeballs everywhere and they were giving them out. Oh, wow. <laughs> to, to establish people. Uh, yeah. They were giving them out to establish, <laughs> established people. And I felt some type of way about it. I was like, <laughs> because I knew some of them like, uh, and, and I'm sitting there with them. They're like, here's an eyeball for you. Oof. Here's the eyeball for you. And I'm like, what? I want an eyeball. I want. I'm like, all right, whatever then. You know, one day yeah. they'll sponsor. One day they'll. We create music TV. Get to the point where they can sponsor what we what we do here. Right. But regardless of that, kudos to you for getting your brand to a level where music, other music brands are starting to take notice and want to do business with you because you've right. built up such a large community of people that now they can come and say, hey, what can we do together? Right, because right. you got 70,000, 80,000, you know, people on Spotify that you can reach out to. You got so many people in your Patreon and your community. Right. Oh, yeah. Once you start getting to a certain level, it's, it's going to continue to grow. And then, you know, if, if we get past, I almost, I almost say <laughs> don't if, say it. <laughs> if we get past, wow. When we get past this whole COVID-19 thing and we can start really getting back out into the general population, like prison, right? General population, like well, I've never been there, <laughs> <Gym> but <pop. laughs> we get back to gym pop, right? Uh, I can foresee a lot of things growing even more for you. Uh, but like I was telling somebody the other day, I'm, I'm kind of glad I see you doing it the way you're doing it because it's, the world is now gonna be a hybrid world, 
right? And you're going to have those people who's like, well, I don't even want to attend these events online because I don't want to be in right. large gatherings with people and still being able to offer them things. And then those people like me who really want to go to music events and stuff to be able to to come and do those things face to face. So, yeah, man, that's wow. That's that's awesome that it's working out that way for you. Yeah. And, and I guess the cool thing is that as I start getting these affiliates or sponsorships, you know, then that builds up my brand and then more people come in and then I can reach out to more people and and so on and so forth. So uh, right. I'm just really excited about where things are now. And um, I, yeah, it's just really cool. And then with the, the COVID-19 thing, you know, it has been there's no way to say it hasn't been tough for almost everyone. Um, mm. But for me, it definitely has been a blessing in that I actually got COVID. Um, so I did get sick for a while. Mm. Uh, it didn't affect me particularly hard, but you know, I got over it in a couple of weeks. But aside from that, um, everything has, has really drastically improved for me because um, with work, I used to have to drive to the office every day and I'd be trapped there. You know, I couldn't like my studio is in my house. So if I ever needed to come record a video real quick or make a post on Patreon or something, I couldn't do that. But now right. I can because right. from home and if I'm not, you know, if I don't have a meeting or if I'm not working on something at that moment, if I need to take a break, I can come in here and get some stuff done. And then also with the lockdown, you know, I wasn't traveling. I realized mm. the only way to be successful was digitally, was to spread mm. the community online and it forced me to grow the Patreon and grow the Instagram and keep putting out content. Um, so when things do open, I'll be at a higher level than I was going into lockdown. So the classes right. that were already fairly successful should be way, way better now. Um, yeah. if I do start touring, because before, like I said, I'd done 14 events or something, um, 14 in-person group classes wow. to where I was, I was thinking I'm going to fly out to a different city every week just to meet mm -hmm. people and help people and every weekend. And so I don't know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I, I'm really looking forward to things uh, starting to open up again and shows, yeah. man. I miss shows. I know a lot. <laughs> right. I, I know. Yeah. I just miss, I just miss going to events and just gathering with other people and, and just dapping yeah. other people up and be like, Hey, what's good. Good to see you. Like, how you been? Like, Oh man, I'm a huge extrovert. So, I miss, oh, I miss tough, those. Yeah. It's super tough, you know, but I put my extrovert extrovertism aside because it is COVID. So I'm not being in events and stuff, even though people still have events and they still, I'm not going, yeah. I'm not, trust me. Nah, yeah. nah I, I got no, not your boy, <laughs> not your boy, yeah. you know? So even in that same vein, uh, besides, you know, dealing with COVID, uh, in this whole situation, what has been some major challenges for you and kind of what did you learn from some of those? Yeah, so um, it's been a lot of challenges. I know I just said it was a blessing, but now that you asked that, um, <laughs> we, lost, we lost half of our tour. So uh, like I said, we were on tour. I was teaching classes um, as Oren was doing shows. And so we were on tour together and we had just finished up um, L.A. March 1st. Um, I had just done my last class and then things started to close down. And so his biggest shows we could no longer do. Um, they were with a bigger artist. And so those were where we were planning on selling a lot of the merch, um, making back a lot of the money that we had spent towards the tour costs. Um, so unfortunately, we didn't get to recoup that. So that put us in a not so good position. 
um, and you know, the classes, which were working for me and I had momentum with, I couldn't do anymore. And that, that was like my whole thing. You know, I had all this equipment set up. Um, yeah, I was ready to do classes every week for forever. Um, and I couldn't do that anymore. And so I had to, you know, figure out something else. And mm. the first thing that I found was the song contest. So, um, I had done contests in, in the past, um, mostly to get on the playlist. Um, I would say, you know, pre-save this new song and win a shot on the playlist and that used to do really well people liked my okay. feedback because i try to be thorough um and so when we shut down i was like let me see i think i can probably charge for these contests now and so i started <laughs> charging you know ten dollars twenty dollars for tickets um and i was making a good amount of money just doing these contests and at the same time people were loving the feedback it was a great event for them because they're meeting other artists they're mm -hmm. collabing with each other and it's like oh my god this is really cool and so i did that like eight weekends in a row i want to say like wow eight sundays and you know if you watch song contests or those kinds of events they don't look that hard but to be sitting in a room like this for five hours on a live <laughs> stream like critiquing 40 50 songs um it, yeah that's it, it a lot out of you um, yeah. so I couldn't do it anymore. And then after the contest finishes, we started the Patreon, started throwing mm -hmm. my energy into that. Um, but yeah, I think the main thing was just, was losing the tour, losing the classes, and then also losing touch with Oren a lot. Um, cause we were, you know, best friends, but with lockdown, there wasn't much I could do for him. He couldn't come visit like he normally would. He would come record in my studio usually, and he couldn't do that. And so with me working on the patreon and my stuff and him working on his stuff we we lost touch um and we kind of grew apart a little bit we're still you know i'm still his manager and we're still uh friends and all that but we lost a lot of our relationship because of it and it mm. just kind of happened you know it wasn't nothing specific happened there's no falling out um but we we grew apart and i think that was the biggest challenge for me mm. and i'm still working with them to to move wow. past it and I'm close again but yeah and then not being able to see family you know my family is mm -hmm. all overseas and so i haven't been able to see any of them in a year um so there's been some hardships but i've been forced to just lock in and just grind just do what i can um and that's kind of been working out yeah yeah i think some people just be like forget it ah, everything's died down and i don't know what to do anymore so uh. I don't want to do anything, you know, but I, I think it goes back to what you just said, perseverance, pushing through, you know, st mm -hmm. stick with itness. When I found out that yeah. was a word, I was like, what, what is stick, stick with itness? Yeah. Stick with itness like right. And so your ability to stick with something even through through hard times. And I remember, you know, yeah. for me, my family, uh, my daughter and my son were going to come down uh, to Atlanta for Thanksgiving. And I was like, nah, my wife was like, <laughs> you know, they, they think about yeah. coming down. I'm like, no, oh no. I don't know they've been around. Like even that, even that they're my own kid. I'm like, no, I don't know. Like, <laughs> nah, I don't. Yeah. My son, so my son's in the Navy. So he's been on doing Navy stuff out at sea. Mm -hmm. And my daughter's, I don't know who y'all been around. So I don't ever see y'all in mask anyway. So no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that's kind of, no. And I mean, people don't really come over our house and we don't really go over anybody else's house. And so that kind of is a big, and for somebody who's extroverted as I am, I miss seeing my family. I miss seeing my brothers, but we have started to take use of technology, right? I mean, we never used to really Zoom before as a family, but now we Zoom like every other Saturday where we can yeah. see 
each other's face and have conversation. And I think, I think when my cousin passed uh, a couple of weeks ago, he, he, he passed from, he passed from COVID, uh, which was wow, which was a complete just mind blower right there. Cause yeah, we grew up sorry. together. He was like my little brother. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is what it is, but I think that sparked the family to say, you know what? We got to get together. Yeah, and so I, I think, yeah, I think even through this time, we as creatives have to figure out how to use technology to help further what we do. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to go back to the way it used to be. And so using mediums like this, uh, Zoom, um, shoot, I, my cousin, I have a cousin that lives in Atlanta too, uh, by the name of Superstar Six. Mm. Amazing, amazing artist. We didn't even know we were related until uh, like a couple, a couple, like a couple days before he came onto the show to do the interview. And he did a concert, a full-fledged concert on Facebook Live. Wow. Had the smoke screen, had the mics, had the lights doing their thing. <laughs> yeah. And he, he did the whole thing. So, I, I mean, I would say artists, they need to start looking at ways to do that. I know we're not doing shows right now, but I think those mediums would be, would be great. Okay, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to switch gears for a second. I'm going to switch gears oh. for a second. I know this is information that people pay you for. So, <laughs> I don't want you to... <laughs> So you don't got to spill all the beans, right? I mean, but if they want to know more, definitely get in contact with Nick, the manager. But um, let's talk about Spotify, because I know everybody wants to get on Spotify, you know. So yeah. what are some of the first, what are some of the misconceptions about Spotify? And then how does somebody as an artist go about really connecting with a playlist curator such as yourself to get onto Spotify? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and that's really what my Spotify for Dummies guide was tailored around. You know, it's like, what is Spotify? How do I utilize it? And then specifically with playlists, how do I reach out to these playlisters and, you know, get them to actually listen? Because it's it's rough. So I, I'm going to say that Spotify now and that whole world um, is very different than it was three years ago, two years ago, even last year. Um, to where the playlist market is completely oversaturated and it's really hard to know what's real and what's fake um, to the point where I almost don't, I don't even think about playlists anymore. I mean, I have my own and I use those for, you know, helping artists grow, but because I know mine is organic, but a lot of playlists out there are fake and they have bots and there's mm -hmm. a lot of things fake now which didn't used to be the case there used to be way more red flags where if you got on a playlist and you know the username was xyz one two three whatever um and you're getting more listeners than it had followers and you're getting no saves and it, there's key things you could see but okay. now they fake everything so the playlists look look legit um you'll get streams you'll get follows you'll get saves and it's just out of control so mm. one of my artists um he had He's like, hey, I found this promo company. I'm just going to try it. I was like, and I'm usually not for it, but I was like, I'm not mm -hmm. going to stop you. I paid, I think, $250, and he got damn near half a million streams, including like hundreds of thousands of saves, hundreds of thousands of follows on Spotify, like things that I didn't think were possible um, in a month. Wow. And I got that for $250. And it's right. Like, um, so there's no way... 
there's like this law at play, I think, where you can't make more money from your streams than you paid for the streams. So like it just doesn't work that way. Um, so I, I don't I don't know what those numbers have looked like yet because stream data is like three months backdated for royalties. But um, I can't imagine he's getting, you know, half a million worth of streams worth of money from those streams. So I just think the whole marketplace is kind of oversaturated to where my strategies these days are really avoiding playlists um, or avoiding playlist companies and trying to grow organically. So I'll give you most of the sauce. It's just trying to hit the algorithmic uh, playlist. That's what all of our successes come from. Um, mm -hmm. So discover weekly and release radar. So all of my tactics are geared around hitting those. So like okay. release radar, we know that the release radar is an algorithmic playlist that Spotify generates for everyone who has Spotify and the songs that show up on your release radar as a listener are coming from artists that you follow. So whoever follows you on Spotify, they should be getting your newest songs in their release radar. Um, okay. But there are caveats because people follow a lot of people. So I talk about growing your followers um, through pre-save links, um, through contests, um, any any way you can, because as you grow that follower number, it increases your at bat chances on different release radars. And so the more release radars you get on, the more chance you have to get those streams first off. And then depending on how well it does um, in those first couple weeks on release radar determines how many more it gets on. So the way it works is you put out a song and then once you've gotten a few thousand streams, Spotify is like, OK, let's look at this song. Um, and depending on your ratios, as I call them, um, listener to stream and listener to save, um, it basically just says how well your song is doing of the people who listened, um, how many streamed it more than once of the people listened, how many people saved. Um, and so if Spotify sees you have strong ratios to release, they're going to try it out on discover weekly or release radar. Mm -hmm. And then depending on how that goes, if you keep getting good ratios, they'll spread you onto more of those playlists. Um, they'll try okay. you on a few at first and then you'll grow. And so with Oren, it was the exact same case. We hit Discover Weekly one time and it's like, oh, that's cool. The next Monday, it doubled. The next Monday, it doubled. Wow. The next Monday, it doubled um, to where, like I said, it was like 60,000 monthly listeners um, from zero just because um, we got a few thousand streams from playlists and then they saw the song had good ratios. People liked mm -hmm. it in general. They tried it out on the playlist. So I'm all about avoiding playlist companies and using strategies to organically hit Spotify's algorithms. Okay. Um, so I think that's where the long-term growth comes from. Mm. And wow. You know, so if you want to know more about those those strategies in depth, please make sure you check out Nick, the manager, <laughs> subscribe Thanks. to his, get on his Patreon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like all, he all has all that stuff is there. And so, look, people got money we just pay for whatever it is that we pay for. But if you want to make it in this industry, here's a guy that's sitting right in front of you that has the knowledge of a lot of different things. But in this case that we're talking about, specifically Spotify, right? As you said earlier, and as I've been reading in uh, Ari's, Ari's book, where right? I'm gonna reach over here and right. grab it, but uh, it don't have the cover on it because I, like I, I don't like the cover being on the books when I read them, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> oh, but, the plastic flimsy thing, yeah. Yes, but this book here, yeah. yes. Like he talks about how, how uh, Spotify, you guys, 
are like the new radio stations. And so right. back in the day, we, we had to get on radio and we tried to, you know, bribe the, <laughs> the program director. <laughs> yeah. but now Spotify is taking over and so so let me ask you this and so and and and, and this is completely the same topic but different did you see the news that came out today about Spotify was it Spotify Apple and somebody else they paid 44 440 442 million dollars in unpaid royalties to oh uh, see you gonna make me bring out my Yes. Yes. Yeah. $442 million. I thought that was, I thought it was so crazy when I saw that number. Yes. You said something earlier um, that was like related. It's that, you know, nobody teaches you this stuff when you're starting out Mm -hmm. and it's intentionally difficult to learn. Um, That's why I wrote my guide um, artist by profession talking about how to claim all your royalties because there is no, Ari's take was probably the best one I found um, mm-hmm. as far as figuring that out. But there is it's really hard to learn. And so it's really hard to claim all of your royalties intentionally. And mm-hmm. so if you don't, they just don't get paid. Um, so it makes sense that they have all these royalties left over because people don't know how to claim all their music um, royalties. Like most people, they'll record a song, they'll put it on Spotify through DistroKid or something. And like, yeah. And, you know, and then that's it. Don't that's know it. I did it. Royalties any of the other royalties that they're entitled to. And so it all gets left on the table. And yep. if no one's asking for it, why would they pay it? Right. Right. Yeah. I think it was like 442 yeah, million. Like I, I was now. like, oh, wow. Now, who's who's that money going to? It's not going to the creatives. It's going wow. to somebody else. And they get it. Oh, my, I saw that today. I was like, oh, man. Wow. And then, and then I not even just saw that, but I saw that Instagram and I know this is this part is off topic, but I saw that Instagram and, and TikTok are going to war with each other. So, oh. yeah. And so I know as creators, we utilize these platforms to engage with with others to present our brand. Mm. And a lot of times we do cross platform marketing. Right. Mm. And cross platform promotion. So I may promote on Twitter. And then I may promote on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. Well, now Instagram is not allowing you to post TikTok uh, videos on their reels anymore. Or are they going to wow. ban you? Are they, yeah, are they going to take it down? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I thought. Huh. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. A lot of people use their TikTok content um, cross-platform, so that's cross-platform. That's changed some stuff for sure. Yep, cross-platform, and so I wonder how that's going to impact. Uh, and I, and I, I saw the Adam Ivy video where he talks about it. And he said in the video, he said, when you think about brands, he mm-hmm. said, you know, what if you were sponsored by Nike and then somehow they caught you slipping and you wearing Reeboks? You know yeah. what I mean? Right. And so Instagram is kind of, I guess they're taking the same route to say, or, you know, but you're with TikTok, but how are you going to promote TikTok over here? Like, we're not yeah. trying to have you promote TikTok here and take, you know, those who may be here over to TikTok. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was interesting. TikTok, TikTok puts their watermark. And so they, they understand that if people use this other where other places, then it'll help mm. their brand. Instagram doesn't. So like you can no. make a story or something, a reel, right. and you can go post that on TikTok, mm-hmm. uh, but you just can't go the other way. So that's interesting. And then there's also Triller. Triller's 
pretty similar uh, yep. to TikTok. Are they going to stop that one too, you think? Or just... Probably. Uh, I think they're yeah. going to stop any type of cross-platform promotion that, you know, that has a, a, a definitive brand attached to it. Like you said, TikTok has their logo on it. So when you actually go watch some of these reels, you see the TikTok logo and you go, oh, they're on TikTok. Yeah. Let me go over to TikTok. And I think Instagram is like, okay, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> but <laughs> don't don't leave us to go over to somebody else. But like I said, I know it was off topic, but maybe kind of not. That's, because I know I, I like hearing that stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. I, I know as creators we we use those those platforms to to grow our business, to to market, uh, to engage. Uh, and it's just weird kind of seeing the companies kind of say, well, I'm gonna block you. Well, you can't do this. Well, I'm gonna do this. And this yeah, it's just, wow. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, I just thought it was weird. I saw that, <laughs> I, saw, I, just, I just saw that today, those two big things today. And I was like, should I make a video today about that? But anyway, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but man, I'm, ladies and gentlemen, Nick, the manager, Nick Jorgensen, Nick Jorgensen, uh, Man, so what advice would you give to anybody that's trying to get into this whole music industry? What would you tell them? Follow me. Uh, <laughs> no, yes. Uh, no, for real. No, yes. Yeah, I, I post. So I, I have business stuff and I have services and Patreon, but I post a lot of stories and posts just about, you know, networking, etiquette. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you how to interact with people properly because I think communication is not taught well. Like most people I interact with on Instagram or social media in general, they're not well versed at constructing proper messages with the right etiquette. And because of that, it limits how far they can go because nobody's going to want to talk to you if you're sending these messages that um, don't make them feel good. You know, mm -hmm. so I post a lot of stuff on just like random information you should know and then um, a lot on that etiquette and just how to present yourself. And, you know, if you ever need help, uh, I always answer questions. So like if you DM me, I'm going to answer it and I'm going to post it for everyone else to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that etiquette. I don't think there's etiquette that exists too much in the industry. You know, I, I just did a whole series on networking in the music industry. Go, everybody go check it out, right? So matter of fact, a video, a video launched today, so go check it out. But in there, I talk about etiquette, and I don't think people understand how important that is. Etiquette to the point of, so I, I'll give you the story real quick. So I was at A3C a couple years ago, right? And I had this guy, I was standing outside, I had this guy come up to me. I always tell people, you never know who you're talking to. Now, I'm not really anybody, but I could have been somebody. And based upon what he said, it kind of would have been like, eh, I don't know. So he walks up to me. <laughs> like, this is exactly what he did. Hey, bruh. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, I can, you know I can get some gas? <laughs> I was like, yeah. gas. I sat there for a second and I was like, yeah. You go up here, you make a left. When you make this shell. left on make a right, there's a shell over there. <laughs> Boom, they got they got what you need. Yeah. He was, and the dude was like, nah, man, I'm talking about that. Yeah. That weed. Well, and I was like, I want to uh, get, so yeah, get your take on this. Um, because I think that's so prevalent. I, I wonder 
and I feel like it is partially because of the genre. I think hip hop mm. in general has a lot more of that, or at least it feels like it has a lot more of that ego, you know, where mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not going to be too nice to you because I don't want you to think I'm soft, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, do you feel like it's that way? Because I, I imagine other industries are a little, usually more courteous. No other industry is from what I, I have seen is like hip hop. And right. so, and then a lot of people will go back and say, well, hip hop, when you think about hip hop, hip hop was, you know, braggadocious and it was a lot of bravado and a lot of, and I'm like, I'm like, what hip hop are you looking at? Because the hip hop <laughs> that I know that started from break beats was no bravado. These mm -hmm. dudes were like, they just came out of the whole disco era. You know what I'm saying? And they still rocking disco clothes and rapping over break beats and, you know, pop locking and, you yeah. know, doing all that stuff. I'm like, I'm like, where you like hip hop has not always been this macho provado type of, of deal. It was not that until now I will say African Bambato, uh, when they started, he was in the uh, African look African Bambato up in the whole gang movement that he. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was no joke, mm. but they didn't promote violence. They didn't promote violence in their songs. They didn't do any of those until we got to maybe late 90s. I mean, when you think about Run DMC, LO, Cool J, Curtis Blow, Cool Mo D, Big Daddy Kane, uh, you know, if you think, start thinking about those early, Rock Him, they didn't talk really about, I'm gonna shoot you and, and you know, n none yeah. of that stuff. It wasn't about violence. And then somewhere it switched. And right. I, I would say it switched when it started to become more street and you had and now from the beginning i think all these guys kind of were in the, in the street african bambada was i mean a, a gang leader so i mean mm -hmm. i think they they kind of they never promoted it but somewhere there was a switch right. and then it turned into this me against you beef bravado right. uh i mean you can even go back to when you were looking at the the gangs in new york you know what i'm saying like those gangs in new york but those gangs in new york were killing each other and what they did, instead of trying to kill each other, they made peace. And what did they, those gangs in New York become? Breakdancers. Ah, okay. They became breakdancers, right? And that's what we get, even though they had the, um, those jackets with the, with the things cut off, the, the sleeves cut off, and with the, yeah. with the um, emblems all on the back, that's, that was their gang symbols. Mm -hmm. But they all turned, pretty much um, a lot of them turned into breakdancers. They figured out there's a different way for us to, to do this versus killing killing one another but yeah, yeah somewhere along the line it, it got to where it is now i think we became a huge part of the culture somewhere down the line and people who know me know I, i'm i'll say whatever like i don't know i'm not gonna be in this i'm not gonna be in a studio with people smoking weed i'm not no i just that's just it's just not me so I don't do that, but yeah, I hope that answered your question. Your question, but yeah, no, it, um, it did give us the the history breakdown, and I think it is important for people to understand that it didn't used to be like this. It, right. you, at some point, the topic switched, and now it's all not all, but mostly you know violence, um, guns, drugs, drugs. heavy drug usage, drug selling, all that, yeah. um, and it. And so I think when these kids are, are, are coming up and they're learning about life and music and they're listening to that, they mm -hmm. kind of come in with that same feeling, that same bravado. Yeah. Of yeah. Like, I got to be hard. Um, yeah. you know, I can't be too nice to people. And 
so yeah, I think it is something that particularly affects hip hop um, with that mm -hmm. etiquette thing. Um, but you know, just in general, people don't really understand how to talk to people until you've you've tried. Um, so yeah, the etiquette is just uh, it's so important yeah. though. Can't it's so it's so important. It's so important. I don't see it in any other industry. I mean, can you imagine uh, Dr. Luke and and Max Martin just being real bravado with one another? I mean, the two biggest pop writers in right. the history of pop being yeah. like, I just can't imagine, you know, NSYNC and, and Backstreet Boys, who, by the <laughs> yeah. way, had the same had the same manager. I'm not, and they right. didn't know it. I don't know how that, that happened, but I can't see them beefing up with one another. But right. in hip hop, but in hip hop, we they they do. And it's, it's that machoism, it's that bravado that we want to portray because you had a lot of dudes who came from the street right. that are now, and, and they were telling the story of their environment and the things that they saw and things that were going on. So that's why I love NWA because it was realistic. They, they told the story of their environment, where they, where they was, even though they promoted guns and, you know, violence and all that other right. stuff, but they yeah, told, but their, they the told motive, their story. You know? No, it wasn't a motive. It's a commercial motive now, almost like, right. you know, the song will do better if you promote these things. That's um, right. And that's just really unfortunate because that's not what art and music is about. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's people out there who will disagree, but, you know, we that's I got a friend that said uh, opinions are like noses. Everybody got one. So, <laughs> yeah. hey, yep, man. So, man, we've been talking for this is great. I wanted to sit here and chop it up with you, man, and for just for a while, uh, and just pick your brain on some things. But, uh, man, quickly tell people where they can find you. Yeah. Um, so, like we said, my moniker, Nick the Manager. Um, you won't find too much about me with Nick Jorgensen, but uh, Nick the Manager on Instagram. Um, I have a website, nickthemanager.com, has pretty much everything you need. Um, has my Patreon, my contest link, has my guide, my playlist. Uh, my bio, all that stuff. Uh, I don't use Twitter too much, so don't look for me there, but uh, yeah, Instagram and website. And then Patreon. Patreon, Nick the Manager. That's right. Yeah, please make sure y'all go check out his Patreon. Support this guy and what he's doing because uh, we need to get him out of that corporate 9 to 5 or wherever he's working, 9 <laughs> yeah. to 5 job because yeah. we need him in this music industry sharing his knowledge and resources and tools and his amazingness with, with everybody else. Uh, but man, any last words you want to say for all of the viewers? Nah, man. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm just starting to get into this whole podcast world. This is only my second uh, guest podcast thing. So I really appreciate you having me on and giving me the yes. opportunity to talk my story because, you know, there's not a lot of platforms to do that. So um, let me know if I can ever help you in any way or I'll definitely spread the message of this podcast. But oh, I appreciate yeah, that. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. And anybody listening, I'm trying to do like more of like a podcast type uh, segment where it's like me, you and maybe like another person or two other people. And we just sit here and talk about a whole bunch of crazy stuff, but <laughs> not yeah, gas, though. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But man, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on. I'm sure. Of course, we're going to be in contact uh, as, as well. But uh, man, let's. Let's wrap it up. Uh, so, ladies and All gentlemen, right, well, so, so, okay, so, so before we do that, so make sure you stay before I, I when it ends. We got to chit chat okay. a, a couple minutes before it ends. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you very much for tuning in. Greatly appreciate you being here on We Create Music TV. Man, it has been a joy talking to Nick Jorgensen, a.k.a. Nick the Manager. Please make sure you check out his Patreon. Make sure you support him. Make sure you support what we're doing here at We Create Music TV. And I'm looking down because the monitor is here, but I need to be looking at all of you right here in the camera. But yeah, once again, thank you for tuning in. Greatly appreciate all of you. You can check us out every Monday and every Thursday at 7 p.m. for all of our additional content, our master classes. Like I said, we just dropped networking in the music industry. We did a whole branding in the music industry one, and we're getting ready to do like a seven habits for highly effective music creators. Uh, so make sure you check that out once we're done and it drops. But appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, hit that like button. And ladies and gentlemen, we are out.